Would you pray with me? God of mercy and grace, you promise never to break your covenant with us. Amid all the changing words of our generation, speak your eternal word that does not change. Then may we respond to your gracious promises with faithful and obedient lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. Hear now the word of the Lord. After Jesus had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. A centurion there had a slave whom he valued highly and who was ill and close to death. When he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him, asking him to come and heal his slave. When they came to Jesus, they appealed to him earnestly, saying, He is worthy of having you do this for him, for he loves our people, and it is he who built our synagogue for us. And Jesus went with them, but when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him to say to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I do not presume to come to you, but only speak the word and let my servant be healed. For I also am a man set under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and the slave does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Authority is a rather ambivalent word these days, isn't it? The dictionary defines it as the power or right to make decisions, give orders, and enforce obedience. We used to see that as a good thing. When I was growing up, we were taught to respect and obey our authority figures. And certainly there are plenty of people in our society who have been put in a position of authority over our lives. I mean, legislators are given the authority to make laws that we have to obey. Police officers are given the authority to enforce those laws. Juries have the authority to convict us when we commit a crime, and judges have the authority to sentence us. Teachers have the authority to instruct and evaluate our students. Coaches have the authority to choose what plays are done and decide who gets to get in the game. Pastors have the authority to preach the Word of God as they understand it. And parents have the authority of, well, just about everything over their children. 
Of course, as those children grow older, they begin to push back on that authority. Now, certainly for the last 60 years or so in our country, it has become rather popular to reject or rebel against authority. I'm sure sociologists could give us all different kinds of reasons for that, but I think at least part of the reason is simply that we've simply seen people abuse authority so frequently over the years, we've just simply come not to trust it anymore. I mean, heck, we just spent this past week watching Congress discuss whether President Trump abused his authority to incite the violence against the Capitol building a few weeks ago. And some of you may have heard the recent news about the late Ravi Zacharias, the great Christian apologist and evangelist, who apparently had been living almost a double life that entailed repeated sexual assault against women. For that matter, the the Me Too and the, the Black Lives Matter movements began as a result of people in positions of authority abusing their power. This has happened so many times in so many places for so long. Many of us have simply developed a healthy skepticism or even an outright hostility against authority. Certainly, some of us reject authority because we've just become so individualistic and and self-centered in our society that we just don't want anybody telling us what we can and cannot do. No, we want to be our own authority now, choosing for ourselves what is right and what is best and what is good and what is true. Of course, the Bible has a word for that. It's called hell. And the real secret to a life of freedom is not in casting off all authority but our own, but rather in finding the right authority under which to live. Now, certainly the centurion who was stationed in Capernaum knew something about authority. After all, he had spent most of his life in the Roman military, rising up through the chain of command until he now had a hundred soldiers under his authority, and they all did exactly as he commanded. After all, he had the authority of Caesar and the Roman Empire behind him, and the consequences for disobeying Rome were severe. So he had gotten quite used to simply saying something and having it happen. Immediately. Unfortunately, the centurion had now encountered something over which he had absolutely no authority. A member of his household, a slave whom he dearly loved, was extraordinarily sick and was very close to death. And for the first time since he was a child, this mighty warrior felt weak and helpless and useless. And he hated that feeling. And anyone who has ever sat at the bedside of a loved one who was suffering from something that doctors could not fix knows exactly what that feels like. As the hope slips like water right through your fingers. And the centurion was almost out of hope. 
I mean, he had tried just about everything he could think of, even calling in from Caesarea a priest of Asclepius, the god of healing, but he had been able to do nothing. Of course, the centurion had never really cared much for the Roman religious beliefs with all their fickle gods who cared little for the struggles of ordinary human beings. He said he'd actually learned quite a bit about this strange religion of these Jewish people whom he had been sent to keep under control. He'd actually become quite fascinated by their beliefs, even captivated by it. So much so that he even paid to have a synagogue built in their town. So he and the religious leaders had developed a deep mutual respect for one another, and they were incredibly grateful to him for his generosity. So they didn't give him any trouble. And he allowed them to carry out their religious laws and live out their faith in their God, whom they claimed was the one and only true God who created everything, the one who had authority over all of life. Of course, the centurion had witnessed too many times the fact that Caesar had the authority to take life from anyone. But he had never heard of a human being who actually had the power to give it. Well, Except for one person. And as he was sitting there beside the bed of his dying servant, the centurion suddenly remembered some of the stories that he had heard about strange events that had taken place not so long ago when a certain young rabbi had come into town. I mean, at first, he hadn't really given much credit to these stories. I mean, they seemed too fantastical to be true. People were saying that this man was was casting evil spirits out of people and and healing everyone who came to them from, from their illnesses and their diseases. But how could that be? I mean, who could have that kind of power and authority except for a God? But maybe, maybe this Jesus was some sort of special agent of the Jewish God. And if he really had the authority of heaven behind him, well, then maybe he really did have the power to give life. And so when the centurion heard that Jesus was back in town, he immediately went to the the town elders to ask them if they would go to Jesus on his behalf and ask him to come heal his servant. I mean, after all, he was not only a Gentile, but a Roman soldier, the enemy, the very symbol of their oppression. But maybe if, if the town leaders went to Jesus on his behalf, maybe Jesus would come. And so the elders went and found Jesus and they told him that that this man is worthy to have you come and do this for him. And so Jesus agreed to come. Now the centurion had certainly learned enough about the Jewish faith to know that, that no Jew could possibly enter the home of a Gentile lest they become defiled. And so as Jesus came near to the house, The centurion sent some of his friends out to meet Jesus on his behalf. 
saying, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. I'm not even worthy to come see you myself. Only speak the word and let my servant be healed. For I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And all I have to do is speak and it is done. And Jesus was amazed at this man's faith. Faith that he hadn't even found yet among the people of Israel. And when the friends of the centurion got back to the house, they discovered that this slave had truly been made well. You know, it's not often that Jesus is amazed. I think what amazed him so much here was that this man of great authority, who had the authority of of Rome itself behind him, had enough faith in Jesus to put himself and his household under Jesus' authority. See, his his faith was not necessarily in getting what he wanted to have happen. His faith was in Jesus no matter what happened knowing that he didn't deserve anything. And faith like that is so irresistible to the Savior who is just dying to give all of us life if only we would place our lives under his authority. The truth is, All of us live under some authority or another, whether imposed or granted. For some of us, it might be the authority of our cancel culture or social media that controls you, or the opinion of some talking head on TV who tells you what you should believe. Maybe the authority in your life is the fear that holds you captive. Or the voice from the past telling you that you're not good enough or not smart enough or not pretty enough and that still prevents you from truly believing in yourself. Maybe you live under the authority of the popular kids at school and their opinions and wardrobes or the demanding boss who makes your life so difficult. Perhaps you live under the authority of somebody else's definition of success and you knock yourself out trying to achieve it, or even worse, under the hellish slavery of your own wants and desires. But the truth is, none of these things that we grant authority over our lives are able to give us life. Most of them can only take it away. There's only one authority who has the power to free us from all the things that seek to enslave us, that we might experience the life of freedom for which we were created. And that is Jesus alone. Of course, placing our lives under his authority doesn't mean that now Jesus is going to grant us whatever we want or or do whatever we ask of him. No, that would be placing himself under our authority. And Jesus loves us far too much to allow that. 
No, salvation is still His business. And He remains free at all times to carry out according to His Father's will in His own way. And that is something we may not always understand or be happy about. And it may have nothing at all to do with our faith. After all, who among us hasn't asked Jesus in faith to bring healing to a a relationship or a situation or to someone we love, maybe even ourselves, and it just didn't happen? But again, our, our faith is not in getting from Jesus what we want to happen. It is, our faith is in Jesus, our Savior, no matter what happens. Otherwise, it's not faith. It's just a gamble. But to live under the authority of Jesus means we place our lives and our concerns and our hopes in His hands, trusting that He is still Lord, even in our disappointments and our losses. It means obeying His commands. Even when we don't like them, even when they are hard, even when we don't make any sense to us. It means still believing that Jesus has authority over all of life, even in the face of death. It means that we have faith in Jesus because of and in spite of. Sometimes we believe in Jesus because of the things that He has done in our lives, because we have experienced His love and His grace and His forgiveness and His generosity and His faithfulness and His healing. And sometimes we have faith in Jesus in spite of the fact that some of our prayers have not been answered the way we had hoped. That certain situations in our lives had not turned out the way we had wanted to. That we have had to let go of certain plans and dreams and loved ones whom we were desperate to hold on to. But again, part of what it means to live under the authority of Jesus is that we only truly hold on to Him. Trusting that no matter how things turn out in the end, that Jesus will always hold on to us. For there is nothing in all of creation, not even death itself, that can separate us from His love. So we love Jesus because of and in spite of. Some of you may have read in the weekly email a couple weeks ago when my note from the pastor where I mentioned that our family has recently gotten a new miniature poodle puppy named Biscuit. There he is, the wild wonder himself. Be very sure, we love Biscuit because of and in spite of. We love Biscuit because, as you can see, he is about the cutest thing in the world. I mean, he looks just like a stuffed animal, doesn't he? We love him 
because when he is in a snuggling mood, you could just sit and hold him for hours and pet him and be happy as a lark. We love him because he's absolutely hilarious, especially when he's in front of a mirror thinking that he's facing another puppy, or when he's slipping and sliding all over our hardwood floors, or when he's running laps around our family room playing tag. He just absolutely loves to play. But we also love Biscuit in spite of. For many ways, having a puppy in the house is kind of like having a baby again, except that this baby has sharp little teeth to love to bite and chew on anything and everything, including us. This baby also doesn't wear any diapers. And that means that we have to take him outside in the subarctic temperature 77 times a day, including in the middle of the night, so that he doesn't make a mess in the house, though he has done so many, many, many times. And despite the fact that we certainly know what's best for Biscuit, he is incredibly stubborn. He often does not want to go where we want him to go or do what we want him to do. Instead, he just sits there looking at us cockeyed as if we were speaking English. And now he's barking at strangers and crying every time he doesn't get his way. Frankly, Biscuit is frustrating and exhausting. But we still love him. Because of and in spite of. But isn't isn't that the way it always is with love? I mean, anyone who's ever remained married or had kids has had to learn how to love because of and in spite of. I mean, this is even true for God, whose love is the model for ours. I mean, certainly God loves us because He created us in His own image and claimed us as His own in the waters of baptism because each one of us has a special God-given purpose in His kingdom and because we are so special in His eyes that even if we were the only one left on earth, He still would have sent His Son to die on the cross for us so that we might receive the gift of eternal life with Him. But God also loves us in spite of our continued sinfulness and our selfishness and our stubbornness. He loves us in spite of the way we continue to hurt one another and disobey Him. He loves us in spite of our greed and our anger and our pride and our entitlement. He loves us even in spite of our rejection of Him and His authority in our lives. Be very sure, there is nothing that you can do to make God love you anymore. There's also nothing you can do to make God love you any less. God loves you because of and in spite of 
But the only way you're ever going to truly experience that love and be set free for a life of joyful obedience is if you surrender your whole life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, under the authority of Jesus and put your faith in Him no matter what happens. For it is the Savior alone who has the power to give you life. And not even the gates of hell can stand against it. Amen.